Well, hello again. Welcome back to the Bible teaching channel of A Love Outreach. Uh, today, we are going to go ahead and take another look at a proverb. It is the 30th day of the month, so we will be taking a look at Proverbs chapter 30. So, if you've come upon this audio recording, this video, whichever the case may be, go ahead and if you have a moment and you can do so, grab your Bible and open it up to Proverbs chapter 30 and you can read along with me as we discuss our way through it. Um, this is not intended to be a deep study of the book of Proverbs that I'm doing right now. It is really just a life applicational type study, um, ways that the word of God uh, and specifically here the book of Proverbs speaks to us in a practical manner, how we can apply these type of things to our lives. So there's, um, as you've heard me say before, you can definitely do a much deeper study. For example, let's read verse one, the words of Agor, the son of Jacob, his utterance. This man declared to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Ukau. Now these are real characters, uh, real historical characters that you can find out a whole lot more about if you feel so inclined and you're interested in doing so. But moving on, like I said, in our practical study, our life applicational study here of Proverbs, verse two says, surely I am more stupid than any man and do not have this understanding of a man. So this is someone here, the words of Agor, uh, the son of Jacob, who is really showing his humility here. Um, Surely I am more stupid than any man. Now, if he were to come around in t in today's Christianity, in today's, uh, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, but the doctrines that are taught today in Christianity, someone would get all over him for saying, oh, don't say you're stupid because you're going to speak that into existence and all of that kind of stuff. Well, let me tell you, if you haven't heard me talk about that before, I have talked about that topic in the past. Um and um, it's false doctrine, okay? It's not based in sound doctrine. It's not based in sound biblical doctrine. But here we have this man who is very humble. Uh, and he's just admitting, you know, I, I don't claim to be anything. I'm not above anyone else. You know, he says, and I do not even have the understanding of a man. He goes, I fall short even in that. Okay, but let's but but when we see his humility here, and when when we see what he says, take a look at his observations as we go through Proverbs chapter thirty here. Take a look at the way this man views life, the way he observes things. Okay, because it's something that we can benefit from if we would make that a practice in our lives as well. He says, "I neither learned wisdom nor have knowledge of." the Holy One. Okay, so now we've been studying the book of Proverbs and we've seen over and over where it tells us to get wisdom, to get understanding, to get knowledge, you know, knowledge of the Holy One. But this man is simply just crying out from his human flesh, his carnal existence. And if we're all honest, you know, we would realize too that there's nothing to us. If we compare ourselves, especially, and that's what he's going to be talking about here. And that's really what he's doing. You'll see as we go on, he's comparing himself to God. And he's saying, I fall so short. I'm stupid. I'm ignorant. I, I, I don't know nothing. I have no understanding to God when compared to God. 
And that's how we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. That's a practical way for us to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, is to consider who God is, just to consider his, his handiwork. You know, David said that, right? When I consider the works of your hand, your handiwork, David said to God, he said, who is man that thou art mindful of him? You know, in other words, why would you even think on us? This is amazing. This is beautiful. What you created, how everything consists, how everything is held together. You know, not just what we can, the beauty that we see with our eyes when we look at mountains or green landscapes or desert landscapes, whatever it may be, that is just the beauty of God's creation. Not only just that, but like how we, how we live and move and have our being, how we breathe and, you know, how we survive on this earth. It's just amazing, God's creation. And he's saying, I, I haven't learned all of that about God. I, I can't truly know all there is to know about God. I can only know about God what he reveals to us. And as a person here on the earth, that's what we need to know. We need to realize that, yeah, there are things that God has revealed to us, things he does want us to know, okay? And it is written down in the pages of your Bible. And you can have a relationship with the Lord. You can talk with the Lord. You can commit your life to the Lord. Ask him to lead and guide you and direct you. These are the things that God has revealed to us. These are the things that God has made available to us, right? But again, speaking as a, a man in the carnal flesh, he goes on here in verse four and he says, who has ascended into heaven or descended? Now we know that this was written prior to Jesus coming, right? So we can answer that question if we want and say, well, Jesus did, but the point is you didn't. I haven't, right? None of us have. Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name if you know? In other words, who is this God? What is he? You know, do you know him? Do you really know him? Can you really know him? Well, Again, we have knowledge today that the prophets of old only dreamed of, and we can know the Son of God for sure today. We can know Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. How can we know him? How do I say we can know him? What does that even mean? Well, that means that we can give our lives to him. We can surrender to him. How do we go about that? We go about that through repentance and through faith in Jesus. And the Spirit of the Lord comes in us and indwells us and we can commune with him in the spirit. We can walk with him. We can be led by him. He changes us on the inside out. We begin to desire to walk in his will and in his way. So today we know that only through Jesus can we truly know this. But again, I'm kind of getting off what this man Agor here is really saying. He's saying from like from a carnalistic you know, standpoint in the flesh, right? You know, God is too big for us, isn't he? Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Oh, if we would grasp that. Oh, if we would just understand that the word of God is pure. It is living. It is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, Hebrews chapter 12 says, right? And it, can, it cuts deep within us to change our thoughts, to change everything about us, to, to, to make us into a new creation. 
you know? So the word of God is pure and he is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. You know, you ever hear those people that want to speak for God? Don't make that mistake. You know, well, this is what I feel like God is telling me for you today. I want to say you'll never hear me say that. I hope you never will. I hope I never do. Um, because I'll tell you what, I'd be probably found to be a liar pretty quickly, okay? Because I can't speak for God. God's word can speak for itself. The spirit of the Lord within you can speak for God within you. All I want to do is point you to God and encourage you and exhort you to live your life for God, for the Lord today, okay? So again, don't, don't add to the words of God, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Two things I request of you. Deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies from far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me. What do we find there in that verse? Let me read it again. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Okay, well, that's the first thing. Purify me, Lord. D take who I am on the inside, maybe rotten to the core, in need of Jesus, and remove that from me and fill me with your spirit. He is the spirit of truth. Okay, and if we're living by lies and if we're a person accustomed to lying and living that kind of way, we're not led by God. We don't know God. We're led by the father of lies, who Jesus refers to as Satan, right? But he says here, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me. What do we see there? Contentment. Godliness with contentment. We really see that in all of verse eight here. We see godliness with contentment. That's great gain, the Bible says. Godliness with contentment, that's the gain that you need. You don't need riches. You know, all of that stuff fails. All of it falls away. Proverbs tells us that riches makes itself wings and flies away, right? But we really don't want to live in poverty either. We just want to say, feed me with the food allotted to me. And that would be contentment, being content, right? Having, you know, food and clothing, raiment, right? As the Bible calls it, just that which covers us, our shelter. We should be content with that because what happens is, as if we're not, uh, Timothy tells us that we can be pierced through with many sorrows because we're chasing after riches. We're chasing after the wrong thing in life, okay? So, let me read verse eight again. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? A lot of people get that way. They think because they got money that they are the Lord. They are Lord of their lives. They are the captain of their ships, right? They, they are the one large and in charge, right? And that's what happens that's what happens when you're not relying upon God. You're not fully relying upon God, right? Seeking first, as Jesus said, making that your priority, the kingdom of God that is, and letting him add to you the things that you need. And he says, you know, so he doesn't want poverty either. He says, or lest I be poor and steal and profane, profane the name of my God. So, you know, there are people in this world that are poor. Jesus said the poor you have with you always, right? But there's still no reason for them to steal because when they steal, 
they're profaning the name of God. They're doing something dishonest. They're doing something unrighteous. But all they have to do is trust in the Lord, right? We read that, right? We trust in the Lord and he is a shield. He is a shield to those in verse five, it says, who put their trust in him. So if you're poor, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. If you're rich, don't be boastful and and act like you're Lord of your own life. Remember the Lord. Don't forget the Lord. He says, lest I be full and deny you. And that's, that, that's something that can happen when you get great riches or you get focused on money, you get focused on the things of this world and you find yourself distracted and far from God, okay? Do not malign a servant to his master lest he curse you and you be found guilty. Okay, so just a bit of wisdom here. Don't do that type of thing. There's no reason to malign anybody. You know, there's no reason to make false statements about people, you know, or things like that. Remember, we got to deal with ourselves first, right? We got to get the beam out of our own eye and then we can help our brother in that case. But if, if, if there's somebody that doesn't want to be helped, we don't, we don't need to go running our mouths against somebody and talking poorly about somebody. We need to be wise. We need to use discretion and say, you know, is this a brother who, who can use my help, who wants my help, who's open to it? Then we'll speak to that person, right? There is a generation, verse 11, that curses his father and does not bless it's a mother. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. So speaking of people that are haughty and proud and don't realize that the filth of their own life, don't realize that they may have a beam in their own eye, they don't realize that they need to clean themselves up first before they go around pointing fingers at everyone else right? They're pure in their own eyes. They think they're right in everything they know and everything they do. And, and, and look, at, look at how verse 11, verse 11 and 12 to me tie together, right? A generation that curses its father and, and, and does not bless its mother. You know, you don't listen to your father and your mother. If you have a father and your mother and a mother and they are wise or they have some wisdom for you, some guidance for you, and they're walking in the right way, then you need to take that advice from them. Listen to them, bless them, hear them. Don't curse them, don't send them away. Don't, don't tell them you don't wanna hear it or act like you already know everything because you think you're pure in your own eyes when, you real, when you, you've not been washed from your own filthiness. And remember that your parents are farther down the road um, from you and they may know some things that benefit you. Verse 13, there is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. Here's that proud, haughty, arrogant person again, right? There's a generation whose teeth are like swords and whose fangs are like knives to devour the poor from the earth and the needy from among men. In other words, they're just out to shed blood, get rid of anything that they don't think is good or get rid of something that they think is beneath them or less than them. Let's cast this people out of here. Let's get rid of this because they're haughty and, and, and they're just vicious. And that's what he's talking about there, that their teeth are like swords, right? And their fangs are like knives. They're just vicious and they're going after other people. The leech, he says in verse 15, has two daughters, give and give, right? 
there are three things that are never satisfied. Four, never say enough. So when you think of a leech, right, sucking the blood out of you, right, taking everything from you, and they're just saying, give to me, give to me, give to me, right? Society can go in that way. It really can. Our society can go in that way where, you know, people just take handouts, give to me, give to me, give to me, and then they expect, they, they feel like, what's the word of, you know, the last 15 years or so, entitlement. They think they're entitled to something. Give to me, give to me, give to me. This is not beneficial to anyone and truly not to those people or to the generation after them, okay? But he goes on there, there are three things that are never satisfied. Four, never say enough. The grave. So he starts out with the grave. Guess what? We're all gonna go the way of all men, all women. We're, we're all gonna die. We're all headed toward the grave. Yes, unless the Lord comes back and we're taken out of here. But otherwise, we're all headed toward the grave, right? The grave's never satisfied. It just keeps taking in people, taking in people. The barren womb is never satisfied. And, and you know, and that's, that's a delicate subject and one that um, probably could be treated with, you know, at, at a greater length. You know, if you're a woman and you have, you, you know, you've not been able to have children um, and, uh, you know, that's made you brokenhearted and sad. That's a whole nother story. God's there for you. He cares for the brokenhearted, right? But he's just pointing out here that the barren womb is never satisfied. In other words, you know, there's no baby produced in the womb because the womb is barren. So the earth that is not satisfied with water, okay? The earth is, you know, thanks be to God that he gives us rain, and the earth drinks up that rain, and it drinks up that rain, and it drinks up that rain. And he says, and fire is never, never says enough. Fire will consume, okay? So he's just pointing out some things here, you know, that are commonsensical in many ways, right? The eye, then he says, though, the eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles will eat it. So here he's just giving a very, uh, you know, um, graphic warning, I guess, right? To say, don't be disobedient. Don't, don't scorn your parents. Don't be disobedient to your mother, to your father. Don't mock your father. Don't be that type of a generation, that type of a people. Realize where you're headed. Like we go back to verse 16, the grave, you know, we're all headed toward the grave, right? And the earth is just keeps going on as it's going on. And someday your time will come and you're going to be standing before the Lord. And he's saying, hey, don't, don't go this way. Let me give you um, a warning here, a very graphic, you know, warning here to say, the ravens of the valley will pick out the eyes and uh, pick out your eyes and the young will eat it. In other words, it's just an analogy, a way of saying, don't do this. Do not mock your father and do and be obedient to your mother. Okay? It's not going to be well with you is the bottom line of that verse, okay? It's not going to be well with you if you don't honor your mother and father. There are three things which are too wonderful for me. Yes, four which I do not understand. He says, the way of the eagle in the air. So it's important, I think, I mean, I have to do it to where you just go out and, and you just sit 
and you look at the creation of God, the eagle in the air, he's pointing out here, he says the way of a serpent on a rock, right? The way of a ship in the midst of the sea. What's that controlled by? It was controlled by the wind, right? In that day, or, or the rudder of a ship, right? That small little rudder, right? In comparison to the size of the ship. And the way of a man with a virgin, and that he's talking about a man there that keeps a virgin as a virgin. It's something pure. It's something good. It's something beautiful to do, right? Um, so it's important to get out and to, you know, not worship nature, but just consider the works of God's hands. Worship the creator, but just look at it and, and consider, wow, this is beautiful. What God has created here. We have a place in Arizona that I love. It's called the Rim. Um, and I'm going to blow the pronunciation of it. And I've lived here, what, 36 years? The Mogollon Rim. Um, it's up, you know, north of Payson, Arizona. And I love to go up there and I just take a chair, sit it out on the, on the edge and look out over that rim and just relax and soak in the beauty of it all. Again, not to worship it, but rather to, to, to seek God, you know, and to realize, man, how great is our God? What a wonderful creation he has made here. And, you know, you can go in many places of the world and see wonderful beauty. So he says, these things are wonderful for me. They're, they're just too beautiful for me. And he names these things, right? And then he says, this is the way of an adulterous woman. So he's jumping right into another quick little subject here. He says, this is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wickedness. Okay. So it's just an evil. He's pointing out, you know, an evil woman. And this applies, of course, to the adulterer, the man. This applies to the fornicator. This applies to many different, anybody that, that, that does something that is not right in the sight of God, not in line with the word of God. They do something and then they uh, say, I really don't care. I have done nothing wrong. I don't really care about that. I don't care about that whole God thing. I don't care about the whole word of God thing. I don't care about righteousness. I don't care about none of that. I do what I want, when I want, how I want. The earth is full of people like that. And I was once a people like that, a person like that. So let me interject that. But we have to come to a place where we turn, we repent, and we come to the Lord. He said, for three things, the earth is perturbed. Yes, for four, it cannot bear up. He said, for a servant, when he reigns, okay? So from an you know earthly standpoint, a worldly standpoint, right? Um, you know, I guess you could look at this from a, the royalty standpoint and say, well, a king has a son, the son should reign, not a servant should reign, right? Seems out of order. It seems out of place when the servant reigns, he's, he's saying. And he says, a fool when he is filled with food, okay? Um, same thing. This is that person that, you know, they're satisfied, their belly's full, they think they've got everything, they think they own, they've got the world by the tail and, and how great everything is, but yet they live like a fool. They don't care about the things of God. They don't care about what is right, what is good, what is holy and pure and just and such, right? And he says, a hateful woman when she is married, right? So, and a maidservant who succeeds her mistress. So again, you see something out of order here, 
okay, with the maidservant that succeeds her mistress, okay? Not that the Bible is condoning, you know, that a mistress is right, you know, or the right thing to do, but he's just saying in the world, this is something that the, the earth just can't bear, right? It seems upside down. It seems out of place. It doesn't seem right. And a hateful woman who is married, right? It's like, and there's another Proverbs that talks about that woman that's like a continual dripping of water, right? It's just, it, it just drives you crazy. None of us need to be hateful. You don't need to be a hateful husband. You don't need to be a hateful wife. You don't need to be a hateful son, a hateful daughter, you know, anything. You don't need to be hateful at all. We can come to Christ today and God is love and we need to abound in love. That's how we need to live today, right? There are, th there are four things which are little on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food for the summer, right? Have you ever considered the ants um, and take a look at what they do? They're amazing. They're amazing and how they do, and they're, they're tiny, a little small, but yet they can carry so much more of their body weight and he's saying they're diligent. They, they prepare their food in the summer. They know the winter's coming. They know the hard time's coming. So they're prudent, right? And, and that's what this is pointing out to us. That's what we need to be, right? We need to, you know, consider things that, that, that you know, maybe there might be some danger in the future. There might be some bad times ahead. And we need to be prepared for that type of thing, right? Then he goes on, he says, the rock badgers are a feeble folk. A rock badger is kind of along the lines of a, um, uh, like a guinea pig, right? That, that tight short ears looks kind of like that. And he says, yet they make their homes in crags. A crag is a high place in a mountain, like a rocky mountain, but yet it's kind of off from the peak and all that. It's kind of like a, a special little place, a secure little place. And he's saying, wow, you know, the, these rock badgers aren't very big, but look, they've got wisdom enough to put themselves in a safe place and be in, in a good area, right? So we need to consider that ourselves as well, right? Locusts, he says, the locusts have no king, yet they all advance in ranks. The spider skillfully grasps with his hands and it is in king's palaces. <laughs> so, you know, there's no place the spider can't go, right? You know, it, 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 it can be in the highest of places. You know, there are three things which are majestic in pace. Yes, four which are stately in walk. A lion which is mighty among beasts and does not turn away from any. A greyhound, a male goat also, and a king whose troops are with him. So he's saying these things are stately, you know, in their pace, they're majestic in their pace, stately in their walk, okay? So in other words, this is a man, Agor, and, we, and, and it's in our Bible here, who just took time to consider, you know, hey, who am I, first of all? Like we started out, who am I? I'm nothing, I'm small, God is great, God is big, God is all-knowing, and that's what matters, and that's why we need to humble ourselves, in the sight of the Lord and, and realize first and foremost, and I'm speaking to those of you that have given your life to Christ, realize that you have a king, that you have a Lord over you. And that is Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
And we need to walk in obedience to him and honor him and realize he is great. He is high and lifted up. He is majestic. He is glorified. So he talks about all these things in life that you can look with your eyes and consider that God has made. And you can say, wow, yep, God is great. And I encourage you and I exhort you to take the time to do that. He says in verse 32, if you have been foolish in exalting yourself or if you have devised evil, put your hand on your mouth. In other words, shut up, just shut up. And, and, and sometimes, you know, that, that's such a thing that people say to other people, but we need to say that to ourselves. We need to study to be quiet ourselves and say, shut up, man. There's a time that I don't need to talk. There's a time that I don't need to say anything. I just need to put my hand on my mouth and be quiet. Especially, he's saying, when it comes to exalting yourself, lifting yourself up, trying to make yourself look better than someone else or putting yourself on a pedestal. Beware when you think you stand lest you fall. In the news today, is the, is the news of the falling of another pastor in America, right? And, you know, I don't know the man. I'm really not going to comment much on that. But I want to say this, that all of us need to be sure that we, that we're beware when we think we stand lest we fall. We can't lift ourselves up. There's nothing great about us. There's nothing great about me. God is great. And it is him that we are to glorify. It is him that we are to lift up. And we are to shut up. We are to put our hands on our mouth and just worship God and point other people to God, okay? For as the churning of milk produces butter and the wringing of the nose produces blood, so the forcing of wrath produces strife. So don't be that type of person either. Don't be that kind of person that provokes people to wrath, provokes people to anger, gets people upset, you know, and all of that kind of stuff, right? We can't be that kind of person. So just another look at the Proverbs today, but we will go ahead and stop here for today and uh, we will see you next time. God bless.